for joining Breadcrumb Theory, a modern-day podcast navigating the digital age. We are your hosts, Melissa Schwass and Eric Shear. Welcome. Welcome. How is everyone today? I hope fine and dandy. Excellent. So I think today is uh, one of your favorite topics. We're going to talk about automation. Oh, yeah. What that means in our daily life. Yeah, I know last week we talked about artificial intelligence and it really paved the way to this week's conversation, which is automation. I want to preface this stating that automation is an amazing feature and functionality tool set within our society, but there are some downsides of that. And I acknowledge that just as I like to acknowledge any impact technology brings about. Yeah, that's fair. I know we've uh, we've talked about this topic uh Quite a few times, really. And, uh, you know, we both have a very different understanding or different feeling about it. But I think we can both acknowledge that as it develops, uh, it is going to bring major changes in, in our society as well. How people interact with each other, how they work, what skills are going to be necessary in the future. And I think we're going to talk about some of that stuff today. Yeah, I think if you look at automation, we already live with it daily. We just take it for granted. So my coffee pot, I can automate. I can program it the night before. It it goes off in the morning. That's automation. And so don't get me wrong. It's made our lives so much more convenient. It's made just making meals, working, communicating with each other so much better. But as any type of technology evolution, it does bring about some negative side effects. So for the folks who may have heard of automation but aren't you know, 100% sure what that is, let's give them a definition, shall we? Sure. So the basic definition of automation is basically when we use machines or processes to automate tasks or functions with little to minimum human control. So it basically just enhances your work performance. Right. So if we look at things that, uh, uh, you know, obvious examples of automation would be like in the auto industry, right? So, you know, production workers along uh, an assembly line are replaced with robots that do the same things, right? We've automated the building of, of cars and electronics and other machines. So we are removing the human element and replacing that with computers, with robots, um, anything that we we can do, which has some positive benefits for sure. And uh, things like efficiency, lower labor costs, or ability to manufacture uh, products faster and, and, and time to market and such things. And on the bad side of things, it uh, displaces people, right? I think one of the definite positives of automation is that it allows us for more leisure time, which I think any type of invention or technological evolutionary new announcement has has prided itself on, it will provide more leisure time. I think the the stove in the 1940s or 1950s also, you know, boasted that it would provide more leisure time to your family. But the brass tacks of it really is that it does. I don't have to wake up and push start on my coffee pot. I wake up, get ready, pour a cup of coffee. That is saved 20 to 30 minutes in my time, my day, my morning, because I programmed it the night before. Right. And, you know, the we can find it in everything. We can find it in our, our, our software services that we use, our, our home automation. We talked about that in a previous episode in manufacturing. And now it's affecting, you know, the medical industry. Um, anything that's repetitive that we can train a machine to do 
has a chance of becoming automated. So, you know, certain functions like, and even within technology itself, in IT, for instance, much of that is automated now, right? So that human beings don't have to make decisions. They are not a choke point uh, for business uh, or for being able to bring something to market, uh, which is fantastic. So it leaves, uh, you know, people and the creators uh, of, of these devices and whatever to, to bring to market new ideas faster, right? We, we don't have to upskill people or whatever. It's just a little bit of repro- uh, reprogramming. So we get all kinds of benefits from that, like, you know, more product variety, right? Different kinds of smarter coffee pods, better quality cars, uh, the ability to introduce new models faster, um, uh, because really, we just size some slight reprogramming and retooling, then, you know, the tasks are relatively the same. So even in like the white collar world in accounting and medicine and in other areas, there's uh, a lot of examples of automation coming down the pike. Oh, yeah. I work with software developers on a daily basis, and there's programs that will, that will automatically read their code for security gaps or security glitches. So even, you know, you think of high tech, you think of job security or just the amount of manpower it takes to code something, that's already being automated. So automation, and there's no kind of easy way to say this, so, uh, uh, you know, see what you have to think about this. But as we, as automation increases, right, as more and more of our jobs are given to machines uh, to do, that obviously is going to do a couple things. One, it's going to shrink the job market, right? So more automation will lead to fewer jobs, and it will also uh, drive productivity, but it's going to increase the income gap. And I wanted to get your thoughts on on those two, uh, you know, on those two thoughts, and see see what you have to say about that. That's such a loaded comment or point, and I think a lot of things in our society now are increasing the income gap. I won't get too much in depth on that. That's not the premise of our podcast here. Um, we're already seeing that right now with COVID, the increase in the income gap. And I do agree with you that jobs will be lost because of automation, but it's really double, it's double edged or it's a double edged sword because automation by 2030 will eliminate approximately 30 million jobs. But at the same time, it's going to increase and provide 58 million jobs. The issue we have at hand is those people that are going to lose their job may not be a fit for the new job created. So one industry I'm sure a lot of people are hearing now because it is an election year is uh, truck drivers or coal miners. Those jobs are slowly starting to go away, especially the coal industry. Those jobs are almost obsolete at this point. Um, The next industry to be hit will be logistics or transportation and Truck drivers, that is such a prevalent job in our society. As you know, we ran out of toilet paper in America early this year. So kudos to truck drivers. You are essential workers. I want to acknowledge that first and foremost. But as automation increases the validity of self-driving cars, that is going to be one of the first jobs that are going to um, go bye-bye. And unfortunately, that is the number one employment industry for many males in our country. And so it's a slippery slope. And a lot of people who wanted to go and be a truck driver didn't want to continue their education via a traditional university. So how do we make sure that those people can still be employed to provide for their families? How do we keep the American dream alive? That is really the crux of this conversation when you ask that question. 
Right. And so that brings us to the, that kind of reskilling conversation. So the opportunity for, for automation is to, you know, optimize and improve the way things work. And the byproduct of that is less, uh, you know, human labor is needed, um, which will displace, you know, people, especially a lot of people in manual jobs like truck drivers and, uh, you know, fast food workers and, you know, a lot of things that, 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 that just can, they just won't be needed anymore for. Um, and so, you know, but on the flip side of that is then there'll be a huge glut, uh, an increase in technology oriented jobs. And so how do you train people, uh, you know, who don't follow a traditional education path to, to, to upskill these guys, to, to get them the tools necessary to, to make changes. So, we're going to get into that in the next episode because the next episode talks all about uh, learning in the future. Um, but as part of this automation hit, and there is no argument really for not implementing automation, right? It just, from a business standpoint, doesn't make sense to not automate these tasks. And by their very nature, things just don't need, you know, need to happen. You know, typists went away uh, when, when computers and word processing came out and, and, you know, you, all the, the nature of industry just changes and, and the, the, the pace of which it changes is what we're dealing with most. Like things that were relevant even 10 years ago are no longer relevant. And, you know, uh, new careers that came out of, say, the late 90s, early 2000s, like especially in IT, are being automated out completely. You can think about the rise and fall of an entire class of workers within the span of two decades. That's uh, that's the kind of change that we're we're looking at. So we're not that far from driverless cars. We're not that far from truck driverless cabs. You know, there's there's going to be that time. So now we need to train those people and get them engaged. And it's going to fall upon not just the government, but you know, to private individuals to find a path where these people then can can learn the technology necessary or shape their career without having to go to a standard four-year degree university. So what does that look like? Yeah, you know, I, I, I am a firm believer in capitalism, so I just want to go ahead and just state, state my claim on that right now. And this might not be the best comment to say, but in a capitalist society, you are in charge of evolving your education, right? Just as a business would be in charge of evolving their ideas, what do they say, change or die? Basically in a capitalist society, that applies to the individual. But I think what we're seeing now is that large corporations, Microsoft, Amazon, Google, if we talk about big tech, they are minimizing and they're removing that four-year degree requirement. But at the same time, the amounts of money they are putting in their communities to retrain people and get people up to speed is immense because not only are there going to be jobs in four years that aren't created now. So if anybody has a new college freshman going to school this year in four years, they could have a job we don't even know of. So these companies recognize that. But on top of that, we already have a shortage of skilled workers in industry like tech or healthcare. So they're trying to alleviate that. But while those big companies and while government can do their own commitment to the community. It's going to take a level of individual onus and it's going to take a lot of commercial and small business to really help pivot, not just America, but the world, because we're in the age of our fourth industrial revolution. So when I say buckle up, we're just getting started. I really mean that. Right. Which kind of brings us to like, 
our final three points, right? So what, you know, as somebody who's displaced or somebody who could be displaced, you know, what are the things that you need to work on today that will help you in the future as, as, as you know, every aspect of uh, automation, you know, kind of infiltrates our everyday life. And that is probably being adaptable, right? So, you know, you can no longer afford to be rigid in, you know, your career. You can no longer afford to, to be rigid in your, your skill set. Um, and you can already see it in a lot of industries if people have sat idle. And this doesn't mean you need to completely abandon what it is you've been doing. It just needs that you need to be adaptable enough to understand kind of where things are moving, maybe within your own industry and your own your own career. And let's start looking at a lot of the skills that will be attractive in the future. So, you know, that's a lot of soft skills, right? Understanding how, you know, public speaking, how, you know, the creativity aspects of it, the technology aspects of, aspects of it, learning how to program or learning a new device or learning how to interact with these automated systems. Uh, uh, these are the kinds of skills that you need to be open to and start learning in advance to kind of get yourself ready to make a transition because that's who's going to survive this. If you're stagnant and you kind of stand pat and you know you don't believe the hype, eventually you're just going to find yourself standing there with no other options. But if you can, you know, start to take incremental steps to 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 learn and, and you know add to your skill set then it just makes it easier for you to pivot in the future into something new because they'll start translating. A lot of these skills will translate regardless of what industry you came from, right? So that's uh, usually used to be the realm of like IT or accounting. It didn't matter what the business did, uh, you know, to IT is IT and accounting is accounting and soon automation and the systems that run the automation will be no different, right? You'll need people yep. to do those, those, those things. Yeah, I 100% agree. So just to sum, summarize what you were saying is that if you build a widget or you drive a truck or you make something, the the real the goal is to shift from doing that to thinking big or thinking how can you evolve in the career. If you like your career, that's awesome because it's actually a very minimal amount of Americans who like their careers. But think how can you evolve with that career? How can you be the metaphor maker? How can you be the, be the big picture thinker? How can you connect people to technology? And if you are worried about if your job is going to be automated, there is a website. It's actually just called Will Robots Take My Job? So check out willrobotstakemyjob.com. You can enter your job. You can enter a future job that you think you're looking at taking. And we'll tell you the percentage of the percentage and chance of that job being automated. So we're actually just getting started with job displacement and worker displacement. We have some time. So if you're listening to this, good for you. You're ahead of the game. We're not saying this to scare anybody. We just want to provide people with the knowledge to be able to provide for their families and take care of themselves. Yeah, no, exactly. And that's the thing is with technology in general, and especially, you know, with automation, it's going to bring about a quality of life that is promised in, you know, science fiction, right? There's just things that Absolutely. it's going to allow us to do. Uh, and at that same point, though, it's going to disrupt, uh, disrupt a lot of things. It's going to disrupt not only business as we know it, but education as we know it, as well as capitalism as we know it. And, uh, you know, governments that don't make, you know, don't prepare uh, are, and are going to be ill-equipped with dealing with the fallout. So there's a whole nother level of thinking about this. 
And really, at the end of the day, that's what automation does. It takes the doing away from you, but it really expands the thinking. And so if you can, you know, take that as a very high level lesson of, you know, uh, we're going to stop doing stuff, right? Because we're going to have machines do stuff for us. But that allows you to then think about other things. And, and then you can, you know, you can use that to be creative, to be, you know, to invent things, think of better ways to do things. There's so much opportunity that comes from being freed from automation that, you know, even though you didn't go a traditional four-year university, the types of, of learning platforms and the types of education and the types of opportunities that are going to come out are going to be uh, there's for you the, for the taking. So you don't have to think, oh, geez, I got to go back to college to do this or I've got to go, you know, I'll never I'll never be able to make an impact or do this or I'm doomed. That's just not the case unless you 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 make it. So there is a ton of opportunity in the future. Um, but, you know, like Melissa just said, you know about it and you can plan for it and therefore you can take advantage of it when the time is right. Sure. I think what we're going to see is companies looking for people who think on their feet, that are good at problem solving, and they're good at adapting to change. And if I'm being honest, the idealist side of me really sees the 40-hour work week going away because we're going to be able to automate this. So I don't think we'll have to work 40 plus hours anymore a week. So what that allows is more time with your family, more time to take on a hobby. Now let's put our phones down and get outside. So I really think there are going to be some strong positives here, but I, as a culture, we're going to have to embrace this. Otherwise, we're not going to be as successful as, as we'd like. Yeah, absolutely. Eric, anything else to add or any tips and tricks you'd like our audience to know when it comes to automation? No, I think the the best thing you know you can do is just read up more about it. Uh, there's a great article in Forbes, uh, often runs uh, articles about automation and our research. Uh, we found that they have the Forbes Tech Council, so they often write about you know kind of the ways automation is going to change our lives. Um, and then you know outside of you know just kind of keeping on current events. You know, look in the, you know, in the industries, try and understand labor problems from a company's point of view. So, you know, like a good example would be the $15 an hour minimum wage, right? Well, paying everybody a, a livable wage makes it very difficult for, you know, fast food restaurants and other businesses that run on very thin margins. From their standpoint, they can't afford to pay, you know, a crew of $20, $15 an hour. So if they can automate much of their jobs, then they may end up with a crew of five, right? And everything else would be automated. And then they can pay that livable wage, but to a far less people. And so those are the kinds of things you have to think about. Like, you know, is is my job easily doable? Is it repetitive? Is it, what do you, you know, how do I, you know, how could a machine take that over? And either use that as an opportunity or as a way to, you know, uh, pivot into something else. Yeah. And I don't think this book is actually just focused on automation, but there is a book called The New Rules of Work. And if, if you like reading, check out that book. It talks about how, and you know, my parents age or older, people picked a career and stayed there for 15, 20, 30 years. I can tell you, I have not stayed at a company that long. Um, I see only a couple of years and that's not actually out of the norm for tech. And so we're going to see that happen a lot and pivot their roles and rather just going up the corporate ladder, it's going to be more of a lattice. And that really applies to what's about to happen. So check out that book. And uh, again, if uh, you know the things that we've been talking about on this podcast are of interest to you, if you want to know more, if you have questions, uh, don't hesitate to reach out. 
email info at breadcrumbtheory.com. And, uh, you know, we kind of thrive on your feedback. So, you know, I can't automate my audience. So <laughs> I, I, I reply, I, I rely on you guys to, to, to help make this content valid. So uh, let us know what you think. And we wouldn't want to automate you guys. So like Eric said, give us a shout out, subscribe, review, check us out on social media or breadcrumbtheory.com. Thanks everyone.